Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Vintage McCoy. Tonight, we have a special guest, Marcus McClure, who is the owner of Inspired Travel. This is the company we go to Israel with every year, but there's more to the story. Marcus and I have been friends for a long time. He's got an amazing testimony, and I guarantee you, you're not going to want to miss this. It will deeply touch you. So buckle up. Here we go. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. Together, we will make America great again. I have never been more hopeful about America. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The advance of human liberty can only strengthen the cause of world peace. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. But because of the Watergate matter, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. One small step for man. Be able to sing with new meaning. My country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, uphold any foe to ensure the survival and the success of liberty. It is indeed we are the defenders of freedom. With the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph. So help us God. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Those who forget the past are destined to repeat. And now, your host, Pastor Rob McCoy. Well, thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, tonight, Marcus McClure, he's not only my very dear friend, but he's also the owner of Inspired Travel, which takes church groups to Israel and also on the footsteps of Paul. Uh, he's been doing this for a number of years. And how he ended up in this position and the testimony of his life is one that will deeply touch a number of you, and especially parents out there who maybe have a wayward child. I just want you to know the fervent, faithful prayers of a righteous man accomplish great things because if there was anyone on the face of the earth that you never thought had a snowball's chance of ever surviving uh, the, a, a life of misery and coming to Christ, it would be Marcus McClure. And I don't say that lightly because I adore this man. And uh, his heart for the Lord is sincere, it is profound, and the way in which the Lord brought him to this place of honoring him and serving him and being a part of one of the greatest companies that I've had the privilege to work with is, a, is truly a, a miraculous work of God. So uh, join with me as I welcome my guest, Marcus McClure. Welcome, buddy. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> uh, I, I, folks don't know our relationship uh, and so I'm going to fill them in, um, and, and correct me where I got this wrong, but um, you, you, you basically, uh, your, your teenage years were in Redlands, California. Yes. Okay, so your dad, my mentor, uh, the guy that I was ordained under, uh, Don McClure, who's head of the Calvary Chapel Association, CCA, your dad was the pastor of Calvary Chapel Redlands when I first met him, when Michelle and I were first married in 1990. And you, you, at that point, I guess in 1990, had already gone off the reservation, I'm guessing? Never lived on the reservation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you're, you're the oldest of his three sons. Right. And, uh, and, and, 
your dad and your mom, three kids, three boys, you're the oldest, and you you were crazy, wild. I mean, you were a heartache to them. And well, yeah. Do, <laughs> <laughs> Let me help you out a little bit. They were crazy and wild. True. I, just, I was normal. Right, they they right. had their own issues. They were in the church. No, for me, I mean, I found when I was really young that I had this uh, dyslexia. So uh, they put me in the school. They gave me uh, glasses. I went to like six different schools before ninth grade because nobody knew what to do with me. And so and they the, still don't. By they the still don't. <laughs> so I knew I had to do something completely on my own. It wasn't going to work. So the dyslexia kind of threw me off at a very young age. And, and it, I, I look at it as a gift. Some people look at, oh, you know, this, that. You know, I had a lot of energy. I, I couldn't sit still. I had ADHD, whatever you want to call it, all the A's. So I, I had it all. You had an alphabet soup. I had an alphabet soup. And I just loved, I, I couldn't sit. So for me, school wasn't going to really be an option. So yeah. they didn't know what to do with me back then. So I was like, hey, can you just sit still? No. Yeah, no, that's not going to work. It's yeah. not going to no, work. that's not going to work. So I just had to keep moving. And they, they to me, were just sitting still. And, and so what, what transpired? What, what made you kind of go dark? What made me go dark is I saw my friends having fun. They were like all doing this, doing what, that. What age were you? Oh, I was probably uh, fifth, sixth grade-ish where I, I kind of liked uh, my friends sneaking cigarettes or, you know, running out all night and just wanting to be moving all the time. So you're a pastor's kid. You're, you're not into what they're all about. You're already kind of tracking with the wrong crowd. And knowing your mom and dad, they're the sweetest people, and that their ministry is exploding. You know, your dad's planting churches. He was up in Arrowhead. He planted it. You know, he's working for Chuck. He starts Redlands. I mean, this yeah. guy's he's busy, busy, busy. And he's on the radio, and he's, you know, yeah. And in the meantime, you're <laughs> you're doing bad things. Fifth and sixth grade, wow. Yeah, yeah it just kind of it snowballed all that. You didn't waste any time. No, I, I couldn't. I had to get out. So when I turned up like 15, 16, I got in a lot of trouble with the law. Yeah. Um, I liked drugs. I liked alcohol. Sin is pleasurable for a season. It is. It was a lot of fun for you. It was. Yeah. But the, the end there in his death, I'm glad you're not dead. It's, I, I, well, I died a few times. We'll go we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did, so. We can laugh about it now, but man, it's, it, it, I, I remember sitting with you at the Waypoint Cafe and hearing your story, and I, I was just, because I've always had a connection with you. I mean, our, our lives have kind of paralleled. When you left doing youth ministry in San Jose, I took over after you left, and then we would interact periodically. And yeah. when I'd see you, I just you know your personality—it's one that I'm I'm drawn to, and I think vice versa. We've always had a way of just connecting. Um, and then I'd hear stories about you. I'm like, oh man, Marcus, I'd be praying for you. Uh, and and it, it just seems like every time we'd reconnect, it was oh you know time had stood still. It was like I saw you yesterday. Yeah. Um, and, and I've always appreciated your candid honesty. I mean, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the thick of it, and this is what I'm doing right now. Um, you weren't trying to justify it. You weren't trying to hide from it. You were, you were just in it, but, like buried in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so your dad has problems with you. You get into junior high, high school. I, I remember him telling some stories from the pulpit. Um, Fill us in. I, I moved out when I was 16, got my own apartment, had, had a car. Lived at with 16? Some guys. 16. Did, yeah. did he kick you out? Your parents kick you out? It was kind of a mutual, hey, he's got to go. I mean, my dad and I got in a, a physical fight one night over uh, cocaine use, and he didn't want it in the house. And now, you know, you look back and you go, hey, I was being an idiot, but uh, he had every right to say that stuff. But for me, it was I remember it how hard freedom. it was on your dad because he thought, 
you know, in the pastoral epistles where it says if your child's wayward and you disqualify for the ministry. And I remember he went to the elders and they said, look, you've raised him in the way that he should go. Everyone has got a free will. You, you, it wasn't because Don and Gene didn't set up the rules in the house. Right. Uh, you you chose to leave them. Yeah. So based on that, the elders were like, "No, you've done everything you're supposed to do, and you you laid those boundaries." And uh, it was hard. I mean, they had sleepless nights wondering if you were still alive, yeah. and you could just see the toil, uh, the or she the, the toll that was put on their lives. And you know, you're like, "Hey, you know, I do my part." Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, my dad and mom. I look back. They, they did everything right. Biblically correct. Yeah. They, you know, I've never seen my mom and dad in a fight. Uh, they never argued in front of us. They, you know, they were there. My dad is one of those guys who uh, he, he he is what he preaches. He's what, one of the wisest men I've ever met. He is inside the home, outside the home. He he has always been that way. Yeah. He's um, when he sees something, he he goes for it, and he's and he's can be strong headed about it. And that's where I kind of veered away from him. But him, his biblical point was always where he was headed, and it was it was uh, a rough point for me. Yeah, you um, weren't interested. I wasn't interested. I liked I liked what the world had to offer. So for me, it was just I got to go. So sixteen, you got your own place. I did, and uh, started selling weed, and that's where it started. And it was it was it was that, fun. That, that's for where a you while. developed your entrepreneurial. I skills. did. I, I, I got entrepreneurial skills, and I paid my rent and rock climbed. And all of a sudden, that's when uh, extreme sports started coming out. Like I'm a big UFC fan, so I I love UFC. So anything extreme that causes a lot of pain on a human, I like it. I don't know why. Yeah, it's just twisted. But I, I went in rock climbing, whitewater rafting, all that kind of stuff. We were into all my friends. We got into it. Um, and and that's that's a fast lifestyle. Yeah. So you're not only playing hard, you're partying hard. Right. Yeah. It's just all night, all day, uh, weeks on end, and then you just kind of I I I got. Uh, there's a guy named Greg Opine. I don't know if you've ever heard I know Greg Opine. You know Greg? He was in Hungary for a while? Yeah. yeah. He thought he was Hungarian for a while yeah, yeah, and yeah. realized, no, I'm, I'm married an American girl. So he's back He's back here. I think he's at Calvary Redlands with Ed Ray now, and that's right. But what, where's, where's he fitting? In the, in the he, he fits into the thing where I was at my apartment, and I was working out in a gym down the street from my house every day with the, these guys. And all of a sudden, this guy shows up. He starts working out with us. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know that he was a youth pastor for my father at the church. I thought he was just one of these bodybuilder guys that were hanging out with us. So he, then he's inviting himself to stuff. And then he goes, hey, you guys want to go whitewater rafting? We're like, sure, let's go. And uh, I go, where are we going? He goes, so your dad kind of sent him undercover? Uh, huh? Yeah, something. There was some kind of undercover that they still haven't been honest to me today about. <laughs> right? So he comes in, befriends us. So I go, and we're going whitewater rafting to Mount Shasta. Next thing I know, he's taking the, uh, there, there's 100 other high school kids on this trip. And it was a, a church youth group trip which I got tricked into, and I wasn't happy about it at all. And uh, I got up there, I said, I'm just going to do this and then get back. But when I got up there, he was uh, speaking, and it was the first time I'd really listened um, as he was speaking, and I just started crying. I just went, you know, I hate my friends, I hate my life. Um, This isn't right. You know, it came to a point of repentance in my heart. And then uh, I came back. I lived there for three months. I stayed. With, with your folks? No, with, at, that, at that camp. Oh, at that camp? Mount Shasta. Yeah. Wow, okay. So I stayed there for three months and uh, took a Greyhound bus back home after three months of closed out the camp. They let me stay and work and just to get my life right, just to get rid of all the drugs in my system, stop thinking about bodybuilding all the time and just work were, with Were you doing hands. steroids at the time? Um, no, I drank a lot of beer. Okay. <laughs> it works the same. Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> so we did. I mean, my dad used to accuse me of that. He'd yeah. see me once in a while and go, you're on steroids. I go, nah. I just work out all day and drink a lot of beer. But um, 
I mean, I was 17 at the time, 18. And then uh, after that, I just came back. I went down to my dad's office after I got off that Greyhound bus, and I just went to him and I said, I gotta get my life right. Well, that night, it was a Wednesday night, and Mike McIntosh from San Diego was up guest speaking at the church. And he walked into the office. He goes, what are you gonna do with your life? I go, I don't know yet. He goes, well, pack your stuff, come live with me. In San Diego. In San Diego. And that's and where it started. Mike, Mike's crazy. He's crazy. Yeah. So, so you guys fit right in. Yeah. Okay. We didn't know where we were coming or going. I was like, well, I'll just do whatever. And, and just so folks know, he was the pastor at uh, Horizon Christian Horizon, Fellowship. Horizon yeah. Christian Fellowship, which was a Calvary Chapel. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was it was huge. It was a huge church. So you 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 head over there, and that was during the uh, the eight hundred number with it, the youth hotline. Yeah, when yeah. eight hundred hit home. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, youth hotline was going on. There's so much Miles McPherson was a youth pastor. So I started going to the school of evangelism and yeah. just said, Hey, look, I'm gonna do this for a year. Um, ended up working with Miles as a assistant youth pastor and just kind of pouring myself into it. I didn't care about teaching and that kind of thing. I just wanted to see people's lives get changed. And connect with kids. Mm-hmm. And so, so things are going well. You've gone through a year of a discipleship training. You're, you're operating in ministry. You're with some amazing ministers, uh, gleaning from them. You also saw the dirty side of church. Yes. You saw the ugly side of it. And, uh, I mean, really, it's like watching how sausage is made. You know, people, people mm. say politics is dirty. I go, well, so is the church. What's your point? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the church is filled with, with sinners. And especially in, in ministry and management of a church, uh, it's one of those things where people get disillusioned. Did you run into any of that? Or? And, and I'll do that. that's an honest question because I, I didn't know this part of, the, of your life. I, I didn't, I'd forgotten about the San Diego side. Yeah. No, I did get disillusioned. I, I saw... Uh, certain pastors that I felt like weren't c- completely pastors or they shouldn't be pastors. I had yeah. my opinion on, yeah, yeah you, you can't be behaving like this, doing this, and then getting up and speaking on a Sunday morning. That just doesn't work. Yeah. So I got in a few fist fights with pastors on that. Really? I was asked to leave. I got kicked out of the school. Yeah. For, for fist fights? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I actually could, held a pastor up against the wall. Are we allowed to ask who it was? Or we <laughs> no, just... I can't say who it was because oh, he still hates me today. Oh, wow. <laughs> is, is he still ministering? Yeah, he doesn't hate me today. We've actually talked, but he's good. Yeah, he's, he's a pastor today. Okay. And so, you know, I'm not saying it was his fault. Yeah, well, you have a way of irritating people. I do. I do. <laughs> I do. So, Although, you haven't irritated me. I just don't want to. <laughs> so, I was, I was, it was rough. It was a rough start. Yeah. At that same time, I got married to my high school How, how old were you when you got married? 19. Wow. And yeah, how, how old was she? She was 19. Okay, so, so you marry your high school sweetheart. Yeah. You're 19 years old. You're living in San Diego? Yep. My son was born there. And now you get kicked out. I do, because Mike comes to me and he goes, hey, look, there's a great ministry plant that we're doing in Kansas. <laughs> I'm like, really? He goes, All right. yeah, you could buy a ranch. You could do whatever you want out there. All right, there. Dorothy. Yeah. So I grab Toto and I'm off. I drive out there and I, I do this thing for like six months. The winter hits. Oh. You know, I had no idea what 30 below windshield factor yeah. means. You saw dogs stuck to a fire hydrant. Yes, dogs stuck to a fire hydrant. Cows out in the field, not moving. Yeah. Like, Flashers I, handing out pictures of themselves. <laughs> I just thought, this is crazy. Coming from San Diego to that, yeah, I'm yeah, like, that's this not going to work. Not going to work. I go, I hate Mike. Yeah. <laughs> what is he doing to me? And he goes, Marcus, you do whatever you want. You know. So he, he said I could come back or whatever. But at the same time, San Jose Calvary, where my dad was. Right. He, he had left Redlands and took over a church that was, I mean, that's, that's a whole story in and of itself. Yeah. They were, it was an Assemblies of God church that had kind of ripped off the congregants and had done some funny stuff with yep. selling uh, notes or something. Banking, yeah. Banking, and they started spending, spending their spending savings. The, the principal. Yep. And they were ripping off eld- elderly people. Yep. 
and the guy wanted to avoid jail. Yeah. And he didn't disclose all that, but your dad comes in, Calvary Chapel comes in, shores it up, uh, and then sees the books and realizes this is dirty. This is dirty. But he paid, it, your, your dad made sure that every one of those folks who'd invested in that church got their money back. Got their money back. That was, that was and it, it came in an expense to your dad. Yeah. And he ends up with all the debt and a de- uh, dilapidated building <laughs> with nobody going to the church anymore. Nobody. 30 people, I think, were in the church. Yeah. I, I rem- and I remember that. And I remember, it seats, what, like 3,000 or 4,000? Uh, it seats 4, like 3,000. <laughs> and and I, I remember his first service, he, would, he said something like, uh, hey, folks up there in the balcony, why don't you come down and join us? Because there was nobody down below. Right. And they were so upset because they'd sat there for years. They just left the church. Yeah. And then the people that were waving the flags, he saw, let's not do the flags anymore. More people left. I mean, your dad's like preaching this church down to a manageable size. <laughs> yep. Yep. And they had a big note to pay. I mean, it was yeah. massively in debt. I think it was like seven or eight million or something like that. Crazy. Yeah. So, so you come down to help him. I did. He, I, I asked him. I said, you need my help. He goes, yeah, I could, I could use a youth. We need a youth ministry. So I said, okay. I go, let's, uh, let's do it because I got to get out of here. It's 30 below outside. I got to go find a U-Haul and stick everything I can in and drive through this. And uh, he said, all right, do it. So I did it, and I drove out there, and they had a place to live. And so we just kind of moved in and started this youth ministry that just, um, it took off in a three-year period. I, I heard great things about it because I'd gotten there after it kind of been decimated, not because of you, but just a series of events. Yeah. Um, but, but I'd heard nothing but amazing stories about the ministry at that time. Yeah. So that's where my first um, teaching of regular weekly Bible study came in, and I, 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 don't, I wasn't sure if I liked that or not, yeah. but I was doing it, and I liked being on campus, and it was growing, and I saw people um, coming to the Lord. We had professional skaters come in and all this stuff. It was, yeah. pretty, it was really fun, and then I just I snapped. I burned out after three years. I just go, I, I just can't. That was a tough place to work. It was. It's, it, it's, it's, the Valley of the Kingmakers is a tough place to live. Yeah, well, that was, the, that was the hardest job I've ever had. Really? Working with your dad. Yeah. I mean... You know, he's, he's the, one of the wisest men I've ever met. He's one of the hardest men I've ever worked for. But he never demanded of you what he wasn't willing to do himself. I yeah. mean, he, he worked just as hard as he demanded you to work. So I, I can't fault him for the, the level that he set. But if you weren't ready for that, you burned out quick. It was like joining the military of yeah. some sort. It yeah. really was. It, it was tough. But he I turned mean, that battleship around where did. they were debt-free. And he planted like eight churches in the Bay Area where there weren't any Calvaries before. Yeah. I mean, he, he turned that thing around. My dad comes from a whole line of, of discipline, military background. His okay. dad, all that guy, you know, college, you know, you graduate. He comes from a, a money background. You know, he's, he's got his degree in accounting. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you clock in, you clock out. If and you say you're going to do something, you do it. And he's Scottish, too. Yeah, he's he is. tighter than a tambourine. He, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know that. I know that. He, he allowed no waste. No waste. Nothing. Nothing yeah. was wasted. So it was, it was a really good experience for me. But then after that, I just kind of uh, went home, grabbed my family. I said, I just want to go back to Orange County. And what was in Orange County? Um, friends, you know, people I've known, uh, a business I wanted to start. I wanted to start a recycling company. And so okay. I so wanted you, to start you had making a, some money. Okay. So you were just tired of being poor and working long hours, and you headed down to Orange County. Yep. And uh, your dad kind of probably knew that was a problem. Yeah. So I just said, I got to go. So I, I went and did it. Crisis of faith? Uh, yes. I, I, I would say the Lord knew what he was doing all the way along the road. And you have one child at the time? I, I would, had three. By that time? By that time, yeah. I had my third one up there. So it, we had three, a boy and two girls. And we went down and rented a house. And I started my company, and it, and it was doing really well. I mean, it, it took off. It was, it was doing really well. And uh, 
Chuck Jr. calls me up out of the blue. You know who that guy is? Yeah. yeah. He, he was at Calvary Chapel San Juan? Yeah, he, yeah, it was Dana Point. It was Dana Cal- Point. Calvary Dana Point. I, I remember I was in seminary at the time. I had to interview him, and I thought the guy was a, a little off kilter. Yeah. He didn't strike me as orthodox. Yeah. It, it, it was really strange to me. Yeah. I had a real check. I, I, and I wasn't even really involved in the Calvary Chapels. I was going to seminary. I was in a cultural immersion class with the seminary. Yeah, we were visiting different churches. We sat down with him, and I'm like... I mean, we, we, we sat down with Rick Warren and a bunch of different pastors. And I remember sitting with him going, hmm, I'm not sure what the deal is. So when I heard you were there working with him. Yeah. Uh, well, I really wasn't, and I was. Okay, fill me uh, in. Okay, so he, he had called me out of the blue one day and said, hey, I want you to come here and start a Bible study. And I was like, I don't know. He goes, we've got a bunch of pro surfers and these guys. You know, they, they would just love. You'd, and that was your great. world. You were connected. It was. Yeah. So I, I just went, you know what? If I, if I went and did that. I would have to sell my company and give everything I got. If I'm going to do it, I got to do it 100%. And I said, I'll tell you what, if, I'll put a fleece out. I go, if the Lord gives me this much for my company, I'll do it. The next day I sold it, literally. Yeah. This guy came in, I knew this guy kind of wanted my company and I said, do it. He sold a bunch of stuff and got his money together and bought it. So I went down there and I started a Bible study. I said, here, the Bible studies be kind of outside the church. We're not going to be a part of the church. I don't want to be on church staff. I just want to have yeah. a Bible study yeah. with groups of guys. We started with like 12 guys, and it grew into like 1,500. Sometimes we get like 2,000 people, and they were all 18 to 30 years old. And the thing just took off. Yeah. It was uh, an experiment. And uh, a lot of the immersion church stuff, you know, gets crazy around it all. But it, it was... Um, Nuts. And then during that time... Were you, were, were you part of that, like, kind of compromising the gospel? Or you were just doing more like... No. Just, just making it higher energy and no. nothing. You, this you, is where everybody gets that mistaken. I was at a conference once, and they called me up as a guy who started the Immersion Church. And I said, no, I didn't start anything. I've never started anything in my life. You know, I don't know where you guys get that. And they go, well, this is where the college professor... I went down, and they got these, all these guys that wrote about it, and this is where it comes from. I go, no, look, this is how it, our Bible study started. I was working with a bunch of surfers, skaters, and artists. And they came to me and we met in this little disgusting little building that smelled really bad. And these girls were like, hey, there's like 15 of us. Can we bring some smelly candles? I'm like, yeah, make it smell better. Do what you want. Then we had music. And then we had, um, I I would teach, you know, through the word. I was a big time on that. So you created an ambiance, but it wasn't intentional. You weren't doing it to, okay. So none none of that It was organic. Right. And then I went and I fasted and I prayed for a while. I went up to a monastery up in uh, Big Sur. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he was really clear. He just said, I just want you to let the people be the people. Don't try to control anything. Just let it happen and teach through the word. That's it. That's all I got out of it. I went down there. This one um, girl comes up to me and she goes, hey, I don't sing for worship. I paint. And I'm like, okay. Um, what do you want to do? She goes, well, I'd like to paint on the back wall while you guys sing. Because I don't use my voice. I'm like, all right, go ahead. I don't care. Just don't distract people. She's like, all right. Next thing I know, I got painters everywhere. And then one guy goes, I, I, I need communion, man. I miss communion. You only do that once every once in a while. I'd like to, you know, take more of it. I went, yeah, why don't we do that? So this guy makes this huge cross, drills all these holes in it, and it's on wheels, and he pulls it up front. And it's communion all over it with little cups in it and bread all over it. So I just get up and bless it and say, anytime during worship, you guys want to do communion, it's between you and the Lord, you know, take it. And so now we're doing communion every week, and now we're doing candles, and, and now we're, you know, got painting all these artists and, and paintings. Yeah. And it turns into this whole immersion church thing. And I'm like, that's not how it started. It's just 
let the people be the people. I mean, people were getting saved I, uh, left and right. I saw people get off heroin. We started a, a house where moms would come that were abandoned and that had little babies or were pregnant. Um, we would supply food. We'd sell the art and help people. So it, it was just kind of like, you know, it was, I was watching the Lord do his own thing in there. Um, people would try to come and copy it and say stuff and, you know, whatever. And, and, and Chuck Jr., what was he doing the He whole was time? sitting out there in the audience just taking notes and watching. And, uh, and he kind of went off the reservation, though, didn't he? he, he does, he's, he's always been his own individual. Yeah. I, can't, I don't really know how to speak for him. I, I don't. Yeah. Um, for me and him. I know they bro- he, he broke away or was removed yeah, from the Calvaries. He, or- he, I do know that he was asked to step out of yeah. the church he was teaching in for multiple reasons. I don't know what it was, but yeah. I, I don't know. We, weren't, we were close, but um, I just tried to stay separate. It was yeah. the church staff that tried to control me. Oh, okay. So at one point I just said, look, I don't care if there's 2,000 people here. Would you collect an offering? Um, we didn't. We had um, things in the back if they wanted to give money. It and was that just, just went to the church? Yeah. It just went to it. Well, we ended up using it for ourselves and helping helping people. Okay, so it's like a benevolence. Yeah, fund. it was a benevolence fund. So, so that's going. Yep. It's, it's you know not, nothing really alarms me so far, but folks are really in for a story here because <laughs> uh, they haven't they haven't heard the the train wreck yet. Yeah. All right. So what happens? So I I I, I you know what it's weird. It all of a sudden I realize I'm, I'm getting a divorce. I mean, it hit me. Um, Crazy, didn't see it coming. Um, it der- it derailed me. I got up on a Monday night. She asked Saturday. for a divorce. Um, she was yeah. She was like wanting a separation and a divorce. There was multiple factors in that. And you don't have to share. I'm not going to. But there was multiple factors that had come into play that that, that just really erupted it. Yeah. And it was like okay, we're going to try to make it work, but it wasn't going to. And uh, it just ended up yeah really ugly. And it was hard on me. I got up on a Monday night and the study, and it was just all I saw was a sea of eyeballs, you know, just looking at me. And I just said, I got nothing more to say. So I hope that everything you've learned through Scripture and Scripture alone, you can apply and move forward with your life and keep doing it. And I just walked out of the back door. I never went back. You just left the thing? Yeah. Never went back. Because people were accusing me of all kinds of stuff after the divorce, right? Oh, you did this, you did that. I didn't. But... I'm not going to defend myself because Chuck told me something interesting once. Chuck said, Jr. Or Chuck, Chuck Sr. Sr. Okay. His father. Yeah. He said to me, he said, Marcus, a man who seeks to defend himself, God will allow, but he will not help. So I knew at that point I I'm not going to even defend myself. Just Divorce 50-50, always down the, the stuff road. they're accusing you of you didn't do, but if they really want to search, there's stuff you're guilty of that you really don't even, yeah. So it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm out of here. Exactly. Exactly. It's perfect. I'm just out of here. I don't, I don't, I don't need it. So... Uh, Time, time would tell. You know, at that point of my life, um, I came home. The house was completely empty. She cleaned it out. Cleaned it out. Took I didn't the, see she, it coming that fast. She took the kids? Oh, yeah. Kids. She took everything but the microwave. It was bolted in. She couldn't get it out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a stitch of clothes. I didn't have one thing. I walked into a house that echoed, and I was just like, what is going on? Okay, it's just happened. So uh, some people came over to my house. I called them, and they came over. And uh, one of them brought a big bottle of Jack Daniels. And when that came in, I just looked at it. and I went, what the heck? And I uh, started drinking that. You use the word friends loosely, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I started drinking that, I didn't stop for about a year and eight months. Like and the reason I stopped is because my heart stopped. I, I got alcohol poisoning and died. I lived on the road for a while. Sold the house. 
immediately put it in the bank and then uh, realized she was going to take all that. So I put 100000 in cash in my uh, wheel well in my truck. And I just lived on that. It was my alcohol money, my death money. So I didn't really have to live. I mean, think about it. When, when you're a man and, and you're responsible for a family, a wife and children, your whole life depends on your job and who you are. It's like, you're, so it's, for me, I felt like I had some identity and I had purpose. And now it's all gone. And now it was all wiped out in one day. How old are you? 30. So, so you go almost two years on a bender. Bender. And you, you just, you spend a hundred grand uh, in all kinds of different Different formats ways, of, formats. Yeah. And uh, ways that I would recommend no one ever do it. Um, it. It's fun for a season, you know. All of a sudden I was back. Well, in, I mean, if, 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 if pleasure could be uh, redeemable and, and, and if, it, if there was some sort of return on investment, you went all out to find it. Yeah. Is that a fair enough statement? Oh, yeah. Because, you I mean, I don't know what you're going to share, but <laughs> what, what you were telling me about Vegas and the stuff. Yeah. And, I Ve- mean, yeah. You, yeah. Vegas is a dirty, dirty place. Yeah, and you, you experienced all of it. Yeah, I mean, what people see in Vegas is interesting because you, you can fly into a hotel, and it's all pretty, and it's all glamorous, and it's pretty, but there are behind walls. Yeah. There's behind desert walls. And, uh, yeah, it, when, it, when you're back there, it's where it's really ugly, and it's, uh, it'll kill you. Look at Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. That's where, if you, if you watch the Tyre Woods documentary, that's where he loses his entire life. Yeah. Is hanging out with Michael Jordan. Because there isn't anything they wouldn't afford you right. in Vegas. And you, right. and you were hanging You're gregarious, and you make friends really easily. Yeah. I mean, I've watched you. You just walk into a room, and immediately, whoever the person is, you've, you're, the, you're their best friend. Yeah. God gave you that gift. And, and it's also an unguarded strength as a weakness. So you're using this in Vegas, and you're, you're with some pretty, you know, what the world would consider important people. And, yeah, doing terrible things. Terrible things, yeah. And, and you, you end up uh, alcohol poisoning, flatline. Yep, in the hospital. In, in a coma? Yeah, in, yeah, went out for days. I was, uh, couldn't get me out. And I remembered uh, when, they, when they were shocking me with the, the shock thing to get my heart going again. Uh, I remember how painful that was. But I remember floating, and this is weird, and I, I know people freak out on this kind of stuff, and they're like, oh, it's weird. But I remember hearing everything, and I remember being ice cold, but I had no heartbeat. And I remember uh, being above the room, just watching everybody work on me. And I'm like, this is just crazy. And they brought my heart back, and then I remember just waking up a few days later, and I'd lost my speech pattern. It's one of the things that was attacked. I couldn't talk for like a year. I mean, I'd talk, but it would just be mumble. So I, I'd get up, I'd go to AA meeting, um, and then I would go for walks. I walked all the way from Laguna to Newport one time just to keep going, you yeah. know, because I had to get this thing. During that uh, coma period, that, that sleeping period in the hospital, when I when I'd woke up, I had this this uh, <laughs> this incredible dream, and I remember my mom teaching the story of um, Abraham and Isaac when he takes when he takes him up and he's going to sacrifice his son, yeah. and uh, when he's doing that, he's building an altar, and he's looking at the thicket, you know, it's like, all right, Lord, give me something. I don't want to throw my son up here, but in my recollection of my own story in this dream. Uh, I had to throw a bottle of Jack Daniels and my three children up on it, on the sacrifice. And I'm going, all right, God, I can't do this. And he's like, light it. And I go, I can't do it. He's like, light it. And I lit it and I burned it all up. And I just remember weeping and crying and, and, and going through a ton of pain. I just killed everything that meant anything. Had you, had you remarried at the time? No. Okay, so, 
So you, you come out of this, you're laying this on the altar. Yeah. Um, you're, you're realizing I, I almost, you know, I was dead. I did remarry for a very short period of time. <laughs> did we not want to bring that up? I didn't want to bring it up, but I, but I did. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I don't, I'm sorry. It was, it was, a, it was a trip. Yeah, but I did. I, yeah. I did. And, and that, that person was there and uh, kind of. <laughs> How short of a time? Uh, a year. Yeah. It was within a year period. Do we want to say what they did for And profession? actually, that person, I'll, I'll never forget. It was, it was actually um, saved my life in a lot of ways. Yeah. It was, uh, but it was wrong uh, spiritually, biblically, and every, everything else above it. There was no... Uh, this person was in an industry that, mm -hmm. yeah. In a, in, in a different industry, yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 was, uh, it was difficult. But in that, in that dream when I woke up, I burned it all. And then the Lord told me this after I watched my kids burn up and the alcohol and everything. I hadn't seen my kids in a year. Yeah. And... Uh, and, and the idea was surrender your life and, and everything that is the pain of why you're doing what you're doing, just give it to me. The miracle was on that was when I watched the ashes go up into the sky, the Lord told me, what you have given to me, you cannot take back. Hmm. And then he showed me a, an example. Of, I can be a better father than you can. I, can. I can handle things better than you can. Trust me. Give it all to me and let me do it. Hmm. And just listen to me. And I and that took a huge burden of pain, and I haven't drank it since. I haven't had one sip of alcohol. Amazing. So, so you walk away from the second marriage. It was a year long. We won't yeah. go into detail. Yeah. Uh, and folks are like, "Man, why are you jipping me?" <laughs> I know. It's it's a good one. But that's... I'll tell you what. Um, what I'll do mm. is, is maybe when you leave, I'll fill everyone in on what. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you know all the details. But you don't I want know enough. enough that you're holding. But anyways. Yeah. But but my point is. You, you're you're ready to do this, but you are you have spent the hundred grand in the wheel well. Yeah. You have you've literally been you know washed washed up. Yep. And you got nothing, and you're you're out of a second marriage that was a train wreck. Mm -hmm. um, and you're you're basically you know your, your dad's not the kind of guy going hey come move in with us we're excited that you no no. No, I wasn't allowed at the house. Yeah. In fact, I was taken you, you, out of any type of will that he might have. And rightfully so, because right. you'd show up at family reunions hammered. Well, that was my cousin's wedding, and it was like a $500,000 yeah. wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, and I showed up with a couple girls. Yeah, and when we <laughs> say girls... let me in. When we, when we say girls, they're folks you brought from Vegas. Yeah. So. so, yeah, it wasn't a good deal. Yeah, your family, they were done with you. Yeah, they were. You had burned every bridge. Yeah, I knew that they loved me. So I, I literally, I knew I had a lot to prove. To, to everyone in my life. Because you had burned... Everyone. You, no, you had blown it up, then burned it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was a war And you zone. hurt everyone that loved you deeply. Yes. I did. That's what alcohol would do. Yeah. When you give up and you get let alcohol take over, it destroys everything in your life. Yeah. There's nothing left standing. It is it's scorched. Yeah. It, and the people that need to understand... This is what people need to understand. If you're that far into alcohol, most people don't know they're that deep into alcohol. I didn't know it was that far gone. I was just having a good time. Yeah. And then I realized I couldn't stop, but I did. I stopped in one day. And and it was I walked into a Mercedes Benz and asked for a job and they looked at me. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. Now you moved back to Orange County. I, I, I did. I was in Orange County. I'd never really left and, Orange County. And where we oh, so you were just going back and forth from like some place you were holding as an apartment or something? Yeah. There was there was a place up in Big Sur I would go up and um yeah. But but I'm saying you get to Orange County. And you, you, you're trying to figure out. So you, you're literally in shorts, flip flops, uh, you know, t-shirt. Yeah. You walk into a Mercedes Benz dealership in Orange County. I've been sober for three months. Yeah. I started talking, 
you know, a bit. Oh, I've been sober longer than that. I forget what it was. But when, when I started talking, um, I was like, I got to get a job. I can, I can do so, it. So your, your brain came back. You yeah. were able to articulate sentences. Yeah, because I worked out every day. Yeah. It was just a matter of doing that. A lot of people, you can get a lot done when, you're, when you get your body into shape. Yeah. Um, your brain comes along with it. But I, I, I walked in and I asked for a job. They said, no, you know, do you have a suit? I go, no, I don't, I don't have a suit. Manager comes out and he goes, you go get a suit. You come back and see me. I'll hire you tomorrow. And I said, all right. I went, got a suit, came back. I made over 200 grand my first year working for him. I couldn't believe it. So you're cranking it there. You're yeah. You're doing well. Yeah. And uh, how did inspired travel come along? I was miserable selling cars. Yeah. It was like this. I didn't care. I don't care about money. Were you going to church again? Um, yes. I was going uh, to Costa Mesa. I was going to Harvest. You know, I'd, I would cruise into even to Rick Warren study sometimes when he was up there because I was just trying to get Stay all I could yeah. all week long yeah. and find a study. So I, I would I would do that, and uh, that's 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 what happened. It's, okay, well you're going to church, but how does Inspired Travel come in? <laughs> so I'm working at Mercedes Benz, and um, in '97 or '6, I think it was, I was in Israel backpacking with some friends, and I ran into. Uh, a guy named uh, Samuel Samaja, who owns a, a land operating company. Yeah, Samuel's big. Yeah, and, I, and he happened to be eating at the same place I was. Chuck happened to be there. My parents were there, and I was kind of like coming along beside them. And then we were hopping over to Rome and backpacking. So we went on this tour, had a great um, time, and this guy looked at me one day. He goes, I like you. He goes, if you ever want a job, Samuel? you come see me. Yeah, Samuel, at this dinner that, table. That's you. I mean, seriously, yeah. that's the kind of gift God's given you that, that you know, I, yeah. So I, I, my brother calls me while I'm working down in Laguna Niguel, and he goes, hey, I got to go to Israel. I, I, need, I need some help. Da, 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 da. Yeah, what do you think? And I said, man, I'm going to call Samuel. So I found his number. I called him. I said, hey, you still looking to hire somebody? He goes, I'll buy you a ticket. Can you get here tomorrow? That's what happened. That, that was the start of it. So, so you flew out mm-hmm. and um, you meet with Samuel. Yep. And he talks about starting a company. Yeah, it was like I told him at that point I'd, I'd rather work for somebody, learn the, learn it, or you know do it. I'd rather you know I don't know anything about owning my own company or anything. And we had just kind of con- connected with Inspired Travel, but it was Chuck's son who had it at the time. Yes. So and I remember going on a trip, and it was awful. It was just at the point where it was kind of tanking. Um, you know, I think I think his son was sick. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it just was poorly managed. And it used to be the one that all the Calvaries would go to. And now it's really struggling. How did you end up with it? I, I, I worked for another company for a few years. The, the one that was in Fresno? Yes. I worked for, the, for them for, for a while. And then his daughter was kind of taken over. And I said, yeah, maybe it's time for me to go. And uh, so I started praying about what the Lord wanted me to do. Next thing I know is I'm talking to Jeanette. She's the one who actually owned it after her husband passed away. So that's Chuck's daughter. Yeah. And I talked to her. She goes, Mark, I'd love to talk to you right now. Because after Greg died, it was just kind of... She was hurting. Yeah, she was hurting. So I, I went and sat with her and Chuck. And I said, what do you guys want to do? Do you want to sell it? And they said, yeah, you know, we'll do it. And there's that scripture that says, take care of the widows. And I'm like, hey, she's a widow. Let's see what we can do. Let's, see, well, let's work something out. So um, long story short, ended up coming in and, and buying it and gutting the entire thing and... Uh, Getting rid of paper files and turning on computers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Novel idea. <laughs> so I ended up hiring stuff. And the greatest part about all this was Samuel over in Israel, he's worse dyslexic than I am. So for us trying to figure stuff out, was, it was a breeze. Yeah, you, you, but, but he's wired for that. You're wired for that. Mm-hmm. God gives you a friend. Yeah. 
And, and this becomes an amazing organization. Inspired Travel, yeah. we've done work with you. I love what you guys do. Yeah. And you're, you're on every detail. Yeah. But you're also kind of the guy that, you know, it, it, the, 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 uh, the difficult done immediately, the impossible by appointment only. Yeah. I mean, you, you respond to stuff so quick. You guys turn on a dime. I'm, I'm blown away by, because I, I do a lot of business with a lot of different companies. And I, I just really enjoyed it. That's, that's great. Yeah. I mean, thank you for that, Rob. It, it is, it's been 24 hours, seven days a week for I mean, and, and this, six this years now. Inspired Travel was in a lot of trouble. Yeah. There, there was a lot of people leaving. And it, I wasn't mean, ever going to go back. It, well, it, it, I've learned something. It's probably easier to start something from ground up than it is to take something over. It, it was difficult. There, there's a lot of guys that used to travel that won't even talk to me because yeah. they don't trust it because they were hurt so bad. Yeah. And, and that's fine. It's, it's, but we've grown a lot. Yeah, in, in last year until COVID, uh, and you're cranking. You've got trips booked. It's the most. Prof- it's 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 going to be the largest year on record for Inspire Travel. Yeah, COVID hits. Yep, it was the largest year. I mean, we were blown away yeah. about how many, how much we were we were we were doing. It was amazing. I mean, and you're on the cutting edge with Samuel, and that you you know exactly what's happening politically because Samuel is like you know I always talk about David Glinky this way that. There's the old six degrees of separation in the world. Yeah. Like you can get to talk to anyone with six degrees of separation, but like with David Glinky, it's one degree of separation. He knows everybody. Yeah. Samuel's the same way. He knows everybody. And yeah. I would say the same with you. You, you. you know who to call and you have that connection and you talk to him, but he's involved even with the government itself in Israel. Yeah. So through this whole thing, I'm getting updates from you that aren't even on breaking news yeah. that later come out. And I'm hearing stuff that just blows me away. And what they're dealing, what they're doing with the quote-unquote vaccination oh, and all this other yeah. stuff, and the nightmare, where we're even hearing now, where you know, forty percent of of the new cases are people who've been vaccinated, and less than one percent of the new cases come from people yes. who had previously had COVID. So the, Israel's irritated by this whole mess. Not, not only they're irritated by it right now, but they're flipping out because they just realized. I told them, I was like telling them that they were part of an experiment. Yep, and now they're like. Did you know we were a part of an experiment? I'm like, yeah, I told you that. Yeah. They're, 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 they're a little upset. So masks are going to come off, what, September? September, August 1st. August 1st. Yeah, that's what they're saying right now. Right now, I mean, just to get in, I mean, all the European countries. I just got back from Rome, Greece, and Israel. And in order to get it for me just to get into Israel, I mean, imagine, I had, I'll never forget this. We were getting ready to launch so many groups right before COVID. It was over like six, seven million dollars yeah. worth of wiring I yeah. had to do to get everything done. And it stopped. Not one thing happened. I mean, we didn't know what to do. We thought, oh man, can we even survive after a month of this? And here we are going in a year and a half. Miracles by God. I put the entire staff, all of us went on unemployment. And and you've you've retained your employees. Mm-hmm. You're you're back up and running. Yep. And actually, uh, I I signed up with you. Yeah. You did. You're going in June. Yeah, I I wanted to talk about it. I want to tell everybody about it. Because, listen, I get inquiries all the time. When can we go to Israel? When can we go to Israel? And a number of folks have been waiting for years to go to Israel. I'm not going to go while they're requiring the mask nightmare and all that other stuff. And, you know, I'm not doing the vaccination junk. But we're going to bank on, uh, I'm going to give it a year. And so you and I sat down and, you know, we've got a good friendship. I said, you know, and I've been to Israel, what, 13 times. Yeah. So, and I've been every time of the year. I've been when it's snowing. I've been when it's an oven. I've been when it's beautiful flowers and lovely. I've, I've been in October. I've been in the spring. I've been in the winter. I've been, in the, I've been every single time imaginable. But you and I agreed that 
where the crowds are down, mm -hmm. the, 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 the temperature is pleasant. Yes. Um, and Before the heat. Before the heat, the best time to go. June. And so we picked it June 4th to June 14th of next year. Yep, next year. Yeah. So we've, we've, got, we've got 11 months. Right. And I'm thinking that Israel is going to have to fall in line with Europe because yeah. right now I can fly into Rome and Greece, no problem. Yeah, no problem. I just go in with a negative COVID test. They don't care if you had the vaccination or not. It's yeah. just, they, it's, they're, they're smart. Negative COVID test, you can do it, which is super simple. It's like 20 bucks now. You just show up and you put it on your airline ticket and you're good to go. Yeah. Um, Israel right now is still trying to figure out how they're going to get out of that. Even Europe's yelling at them saying, you guys need to get your act together and, and open this thing up. Right now, they're pricking fingers yep. for your blood. I, I'm not going if they're doing yeah, it. I know. I know you're not. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> Everyone in the world knows yeah. you're not. <laughs> I'd rather do a Footsteps of Paul trip. Yeah, and, and those are have taken off for us. Yeah. We, we've got some big ones going this But year. I, I want to I stay to this because, yeah. you know, I've been to almost 40 different countries around the world. I've done really wonderful trips. I've done mission trips that were difficult. I've, I've seen the best, the worst. But I have to say, the best trip I've ever taken, ever, was Israel. The second best trip I've ever taken was to Israel. And the third best trip I've ever taken was to Israel. Yeah. Every time I go, it's remarkable. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. Around the shores of Galilee is one of the mm -hmm. most peaceful places I've ever been. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to describe it. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to tell people about that. I, watching secular archaeologists hired by the, 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 the state of Israel to dig in locations because they have to prove their documentation and authority to, to occupy that realm of the world when they're surrounded by people who say, you don't yep. have right to that land. And these secular archaeologists are digging in places where the scriptures say they are and finding the evidence yep. And, and having to clearly present the evidence, even though they want to stay on a secular line, yeah. um, it, it, the whole land is living and breathing. Yes. It, it's, it's, you know, people say, come to Israel and the, and, and the Bible comes alive. That makes me angry. The Bible's already alive. It's living and breathing and sharper than any two-edged sword. What happens is when you go to Israel, you come alive to the Word. Yep. That's, amen. Yeah. The Word's already alive. Yep, it's you true. come alive to it. That's right. You wake up. And, and, and I watch people, the hardest of people. I mean, I took, the, I took delegates from the Republican National Committee, yeah. RNC. And, and these are hard-drinking, hard-partying. I mean, it's the, the, you know, the bar scene out of Star Wars kind of thing. These, <laughs> these are hardcore folks. Every one of them were touched yeah. to the core. And we're talking agnostics, atheists, Mormons, Catholics, Jews, Protestants, all of them. And they are, they're cut to the core. Um, yeah. That's why I love what I do. Yeah. I mean, I just, and you do it really well. It's what it takes. It's, 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 I wish we were, yeah. We're not the cheapest in the world. We're not the most expensive in the uh, world. No, no, no. Yeah, I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you your niche. You're, you're not extravagant because I've been yeah. on trips that, you know, were right. put together by other companies that were, you know, King David, the Mamilla Hotel, yeah. the nicest kibbutz, your five-star everything. I've yeah. done that. Yeah. And those are like 30 grand a person. Right. It's a cashectomy. And then there's the other ones where it's, uh, you know, you fly over on, on uh, you know, Crop Duster Airlines and you stay in the Stiff Neck Inn and, you know, it's, it's cheap and you yeah. know it's cheap. Yeah. What I love about Inspired Travel, you find the best hotels at the most reasonable prices. Yes, yeah, what we do. We try. And, and every, everyone loves the trips we've been on. That's great. And I, I'm, you, typically you're, you know, you're like, man, this is cheap. This is chintzy. I've never had that with you. Yeah. Never. 
I've done a lot of trips. We try to say we're a full service management you leave with the, company. If you leave with a dime in your pocket, you come back with that same dime because yeah. the tips are covered. Yep. Now you do what? We do breakfasts and dinners, and a couple of the lunches are covered. Right. A couple of the lunches. The lunches that are covered are the ones where they don't have lunch places out there. Right, right. But when you're in, you know, inside this old city walls in Jerusalem we'll or whatever, you. there's falafel stands everywhere. Yeah. And then, and then all the tips are taken care of. Mm -hmm. We cover that with the drivers and with the tour guides and on and on and on. All inclusive. Yeah, uh, tickets for entry into each of the areas. Yep. And I, I honestly, I don't know how you pull that off. It's it, it's uh, you know we do we do a ten day trip, and it's like uh, I, I think this year um, the the trip's going to be what like forty five hundred a little bit under. Right. Right around right around there. Yeah. I mean that's that's, that's airfare. That's everything. And they'll you know if if people like the business class or the first class, we now have that to offer. Yeah. So if they want to call and say, hey, I like I tour. I'm going to buy the package, but can I up, upgrade it to business? Class? And 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 you've even accommodated where look, you got points because you know you got folks who travel and they right. go, okay, then we'll just do land only. Land only. You, you cover your own airfare. That's right. You've accommodated us in every capacity. Yeah, and it's great because if we announce it a year before, it gives people time to save and 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 pay for it along the way. I'll tell you my favorite part though. Um. I've taken trips where we have had the worst uh, because you're required to have uh, an Israeli licensed tour guide. Yes. Um, and, and, and you get, I mean, there are some really lousy ones out there. Yeah. I mean, I've been on very high-end, posh trips, and the tour guide ruined the whole thing. Yeah. Tour guides make it. They make it. And I think what, there's, there's about, what, 10,000 registered tour guides in Israel? Something like that, just under it. Okay, so under, a little under 10,000 registered tour guides. And of those, like less than 1% are what we call Messianic Jews. Right, yep. Where, where they're, they're Jews that have declared Christ as their right. Messiah. Yep. And you got all of them. I do. In Inspired Travel. I do. Every tour guide <laughs> we've ever had with Inspired Travel has been remarkable. Yeah. And, and it coincides because the, the pastors do the teaching at the sites, mm -hmm. and then the tour guides will point out different things and share with you, like when you're on Masada, and they'll give you the historical background. But then they have this really neat way of segueing and turning it over to you in the sites to do the biblical teachings. I've never had a problem dancing with one of your tour guides. It just, it's seamless. And, and I, you, you got to dig deep to find those folks. We, we've sifted through a lot. They're, it, they're, they're hard to find. Well, and, and I've ended up becoming, like Yuval, he's my friend. We yeah. stay in touch. Yeah. I mean, I, I go over and, and visit him he and his wife. And I mean, e even if they're booked and I don't get them, I still go see him. Yeah. I make sure I have a dinner with him. I just, I just love that guy. Yeah. And, and those, are, those are the ones we got. Yuval's, are Yuval's a great tour guide. Yeah. I love him to death. And your bus drivers. Oh, yeah. A bus driver makes it or breaks it. Yes. Because you were having to weave these buses through needles yeah. Especially in the old city in Jerusalem, and these guys just—they're joyful. Yep. I mean, you can get some. They'll get you whatever you want too. Yeah. Hey, can I get a Turkish coffee? Sure, no problem. Yeah. Every morning, nobody knows. Every morning before the group goes out, and like I'm there, you know, I, I spend probably three to four months a year out out there. And when I'm there, I always meet the drivers before the groups go out. They make their own Turkish coffee under the yeah. buses. It's a great way to start the day. They're precious. They are. All right. So um, for the folks who want to sign up for this. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to be able to have access to it. We'll put a link on our website okay. um, at godspeak.com, and that'll link them to this itinerary that we'll share. Right. And, and any folks that you know, tune in to Vintage McCoy and watch it that want to be a part of it, yeah. they can join us. And if they want to fly, let's, let's say somebody's listening 
um, in a in a church up in Seattle, Washington, or somebody's listening in Michigan, yeah. and they want to connect with Vintage McCoy and want to spend time with some of the congregants from God Speak, and I'll get a chance to be with them for ten days, and they'll get a chance to meet Michelle as we'll travel and. Yeah. Uh, can they fly from their airports yep. and join the yep. the team? Yep. We, no matter where they're at in the yeah. world, we yeah. can get them there. We can sign them up and bring them. Yep. So this is ideal for, for vintage McCoy. Yes. That we can get folks to, to join with us. Across the country. No Across problem. the country. Yep. All right. Well, let's go through it. So uh, it, it, the, the trip's going to be June 4th, it, which is a Tuesday. Yep. Oh, no, Saturday. Saturday, June 4th to Tuesday, June 14th of 2022. Right. And... And I, the, the part I love is we, we land in Tel Aviv, which is the major airport there, Ben Gurion Airport. Right. And then you always take us over um, to the hotel in, um, was it, what, what's, we usually, you, you, Dan Panorama, but that's going to be the, the, the hotel we're staying at after we. Right. So, yeah, that's right. We'll go, we'll land Tel Aviv, then we'll transfer. We'll go right over to the hotel. Is right. that in Netanya? It's in, it's in Tel Aviv on the water. Oh, it's in Tel Aviv on the water. Yeah. Oh, so we don't have to go way up there this no. time. Wow, you're taking good care of us. Yeah, yeah, just right right there, 30 minutes outside. So, so Tel Aviv is kind of the secular money capital of Israel, but it's yeah. the place that's just, you know, full of life. And yeah, it is. The beaches are on the Mediterranean. It's real Beautiful pretty. beaches, yeah. yeah. And they've done a. I mean, I remember you used to go there. You, you could get a piece of property for next to nothing, and now it's well. All the dot commers have moved in there. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's gotten it's gotten big. Okay, so so we go from Tel Aviv one night, kind of relax, get to see the water. Yep. Just you know, get your bearings about you. You're gonna have a little jet lag. Yep. You recover. Have dinner together. Yeah, and and this is what I love about the trip. Instead of going straight into Jerusalem, which is really intense, my favorite place on all the planet. Is the Sea of Galilee? Oh yeah. So so walk us through it. So you go uh, Caesarea, Mount Carmel, Megiddo, drive by Nazareth and Cana. Yep. And you know Armageddon. That's Megiddo. You go by Mount Carmel where you 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 see the uh, you know uh, Elijah you know the fire yep. on the sacrifice and then taking the prophets. See the whole of Baal, Armageddon Valley. The Armageddon Valley, and then Caesarea is kind of cool because that's where the Apostle Paul launched his ministry around the world. Yep. And you get to see where. You know the, the Roman ruins, and it's it's really stunning. And that amphitheater there is amazing. And and you see Roman aqueducts that are still in place. And then we drive by Nazareth. Sometimes we stop, sometimes we don't, because yeah. Nazareth is cool. But I always like to go up to the precipice. Yeah. Uh, where they they try to throw Jesus off the cliff. Yeah, we we a lot of times we stop there. Yeah. And you just tell your driver, hey, we're gonna stop there on the way up. It's super easy. And then Cana, um, mm-hmm. and then we go to the Mount of Beatitudes. The following day, yeah. so so we get to the kibbutz. We're staying at the Guy Beach in Tiberias. Mm-hmm. So a lot of folks stay on the other side of Galilee. Tiberias is kind of cool because it's got English heritage. You got some old ruins there. Yep. It's also the diamond capital kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. A lot of folks. I've, I've been there when folks have bought engagement rings. For, Let me know. I can help you out. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah good connection. I got Boom. connections. Uh, Marcus. <laughs> I got yeah. a guy. Yeah. And and that that city in and of itself itself has a rich history. And there's some new archaeological finds there, like. Uh, uh, Mary Magdalene's house? Yes, Magnola. Magnola. That's yeah, what they're calling sorry. it right now. Yeah. It's unbelievable because they, they found an actual, tab- what do they call it, tabernacle? Uh, uh, they, an ancient ruin there where they actually had fish ponds where they, where they uncovered them all. Wow. Where they, it was a fish hatchery that they had. And they say that the Romans, when they grabbed this little town, they got tilapia brought all the way to Rome within three days from the Sea of Galilee. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's some high winds on those. Yeah, I don't get it, but it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And then, so so we're going to be on the Sea of Galilee, and it's it's a 
it's it's a lake they call the Sea of Galilee, but yeah. it's you, a large lake. Yeah, and you're it's gonna, like Tahoe. Yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna see the Golan Heights, which is you know what all of Israel's neighbors wanted to own, so they could fire down on the rich farmland. Oh, we're gonna and, go up along yeah, there and ride yeah. along the side, watch watch Syria and Jordan get along. Yeah, it's uh, one time fun. one time we were there uh, <laughs> up at uh, Mount uh, uh, Bill. Uh, what's the mountain where they have the UN lookout? I always forget it. But anyways. You can see down in Syria and Jordan, yeah. and, and we were watching like explosions yeah. going on at the time. At the time, it was because of um, uh, not Al Qaeda. Uh, who were the big? Uh, Trump got rid of them all. Yeah, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. They they were going after them. They were running all around the field. We the could just Taliban. Sit up there and the Taliban, all those guys. They were just blowing them up. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a great tour spot. It is, and, yeah. and you get a sandwich and an ice cream. Yeah, and you get to watch it. <laughs> you get to watch. And, and there's you know, it's like you're just watching that. You know, yeah. yeah. It, it's fun up there. And we, we're going to have Bob McEwen go with us, Congressman McEwen. And up there um, on that precip and overlooking, you know, Syria and Jordan and all the intensity, uh, he starts talking about the geopolitical aspects of it that most people don't get on a tour like ours. Uh, uh, and, and he tells a story there that's fascinating about the Yom Kippur War. Um, I, I'm going to leave it there. Yeah. But he'll be there, he and Liz. We okay. always bring... Really great speakers in the evening that join us. Um, and you get a chance to connect with them. All Congressman right. Bob McEwen. Okay, okay so uh, we're going to go to the Mount of Beatitudes, yep. where Jesus does a Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. Capernaum, uh, Capernaum uh, which is the, the synagogue where Jesus, that was the, the, the hub for the spokes of the entirety of his ministry. Yep. And right next to Capernaum, next to that synagogue, is the house of uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. Right. And there's a, a church over that. And then we have the St. Peter's Fish Lunch. We got on the wooden boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. I've been out there when it was literally storming, rainbow, and then the rest of the lake was, and I was out there with Senator Rand Paul, and it hailed. <laughs> and they, the, only, the only thing was missing is they, that I didn't walk on water because I knew I wouldn't be able to. You'd sink right away? Yeah, I would drop like, like a stone. I but like they it. wanted me to, but I refused. It's good. And then we do baptisms, and it's the coolest spot because it's, it's not the headwaters of the Jordan up by Caesarea Philippi, but it, it's a really neat spot at the base of the Sea of Galilee. So it's really cool water. It's you know, it's not, it's not necessarily where Jesus was baptized because he was out in the wilderness with John the Baptist, right? And that's nasty. He was a couple miles yeah, down. Yeah, you, you down get the baptized river. there, you come up dead. Yeah. But but here it's it's really beautiful. It's a park-like setting. Chuck Smith had a lot to do with building that out. Yeah, he did. He actually uh, funded it, and he told him you can never take money. If I build this whole thing out, I pay for it. You guys can never take money. They're like, we'll never take money. But what we're going to do is, is, is rent a $10 um, white outfit yeah, to get yeah. baptized yeah, yeah. in. They figured out how to do it. <laughs> they figured out how yeah. to do it. And, and we'll do a gift shop. A gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, you have to enter in and exit through. Yeah. yeah no, but it's still cool. It's a great place. Yeah, it is. Um, so we'll do baptisms, and then we go to the Golan Heights, mm -hmm. Mount Hermon, Nimrod's Castle, Caesarea Philippi, where... Jesus said, who do men say that I am? That's Matthew 16, 18. Peter yeah. says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, upon this rock, I'll build my ecclesia, ecclesia. That happened there. It's one of my favorite places to teach. It's so beautiful. And you see the gates of hell, yep. Hades. Hades. Carved into the rock. It's, it's a, it's, I mean, it is a pristine, park-like, lovely setting. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite spots. It's, it's tell Dan's cool, headwaters of the Jordan. You walk through, it's like hiking. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's tropical. It is. It really is. Uh, Bet Shane, which is, I mean, those ruins are phenomenal. Yeah, they're a lot like Ephesus. Yeah, you're, you're walking yeah. through a Roman city. Yeah, 
fully, uh, it, you almost feel like it's okay, attacked. I'm so. going to tell you a secret. I've oh. always found Roman glass every time I've been to Betche. Yeah, you got to dig it up. Just yeah, it you're your... not allowed to dig there. Uh, yeah, that's right. You just kind of brush it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, look what happened. Look what happened. Someone dropped a Coke bottle. Yeah, so folks come, we'll get them some Roman glass. Gideon Springs. Are we going to go to that really cool spring I like where you got the cichlids and you're swimming in it and it's a... If you want. Yeah. We'll What's do it, it. Do you remember what it's called? It, it, it's right next to uh, Gideon, Gideon Springs. Springs. Yeah, it's a whole water park thing they have now, but they have the... The swimming holes down. I, lo the I love I that place. All right, we'll All right. have we'll lunch have to, there. Yeah, throw that in. All right, you All got right. it. All we'll right, do deal. it. Because everyone loves it when we go there. Yeah, it's like a beautiful park with this nice little swimming area. I know exactly where you're at. All right, uh, then we go, uh, then from that, we then travel into Jerusalem. That's the day we enter in Jerusalem. Yep. And we come through the tunnel, and then you see the Temple Mount, and you see the Dome of the Rock. Yep. We play music coming through. We do it at sunset, just as the sun's coming down. It's captive, breathtaking. It is. I've, I've never been on a trip where we haven't nailed it. Yeah. And people are like sobbing when you come through. It's and pretty, we got it's a perfect song we're playing. Yeah. We've timed it. Yeah. <laughs> you have it down. Yeah. Because I've been there so many times, I just love that part of the trip. Yeah. And I love the direction that we enter. Mm -hmm. So we come into Jerusalem. Uh, where are we staying? Leonardo Plaza. Uh, Leonardo Plaza. Right, Leonardo Plaza. Right above uh, Jaffa Gate. So oh, if you okay. leave Jaffa Gate out there, so you're by Mamilla Mall. Yeah. On that entrance. That's a really entry. nice area. Yeah. That's a really nice area. Yeah. Well done. Give me a... There you, you got go. it. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go into the Southern Steps, which, by the way, it was Neil Armstrong, first man to walk on the moon. He had gotten a trip in Israel, traveled everywhere. He kept hearing purported sites. Jesus was possibly here. Jesus was possibly here. He told the tour guide, look, I'm done with this. I want to know a place where definitively he walked. Yeah. And they said Southern Steps, and we'll see those. Yeah. And these are these are the existing Southern Steps. Mm -hmm. Christ entered, and Neil even... Armstrong said that was that's more impressive to me than walking on the moon. That's crazy. Yeah. That's really. And and in that area we got the the, you know the the citadel of David, the city of David. Yeah. And, and the archaeological discoveries yeah. are so recent. Yes. They. This did... is it. They found it during COVID last yeah. year and a half. They've done they've been, so much more architecture. They've been, they've they've been, been digging out there. Yeah. <laughs> There's no COVID down here. And they don't have they don't have any tourists. Uh -uh. It, it, the streets they've never yeah. experienced anything like that. So well, when got, I went over there, everybody freaked out on me. Like, how'd you get in here? Yeah, Hezekiah's tunnel, the Pool of Siloam. Yeah. I mean, we're we're gonna see all that. And then from that hub, we'll go back into uh, the wilderness. We'll go we'll go down from Jerusalem because everything's up. Right. I mean, Jerusalem's up. Everything else is down. Because it's up in the, the cooler areas. Then we go down in to the Dead Sea. Right. And we're going to go to Masada. Yeah. Which was Herod's kind of winter palace. Yes. And it was the last piece of land that the Israel, Israelis held mm -hmm. uh, before the Romans took over. And they would never have their country back until 1947, 48? 46. 40, no, 40, 46? 46. 47. We'll look it up. Wow, man, you missed me. Uh, I don't know why I'm slipping. 1948. Yeah, what? That's a war. That's, that's yeah, something we'll else. We'll figure it out. Anyways. People are already going, they're yelling at us. I know, that's okay. Yeah. I know this answer. It's okay. You messed me up. It's all right. But the cool, <laughs> the cool, thing, about, the cool thing about Masada, it's yeah. like the, the Alamo of Israel. It is. It's the last ground they held. They held it, and then what? Yeah, and I got a really cool story to tell about that. But when you're on Masada, you look down and you see the Roman encampments like they just got up and left. Yep. They're just the way they were. Fascinating. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You overlook the Dead Sea. Yeah, oh, Every, and then we go into the Dead Sea. Yeah, you go you into the Dead Sea. You got to float. Yeah, you got to float. You'd have to be a, a moron to sink. 
Yeah, yeah, you do, and it stings. Yeah, you haven't eaten. Yeah, make sure you shave. I don't want that. That's not cool. (laughs) You shave, it hurts. It hurts. And then you know it gets after we've rested and we've done Qumran and Engedi and the Dead Sea, and we see where David hid out, and it's 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 a it's fascinating. But but then the next day we go to Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum. Mm -hmm. That's rough. Save it for the end. Yeah, and it and you start to see what happens when you remove the law. And and you don't see people creating the image of God, mm-hmm. and uh, you start to by racism start to tag people, and we're we're in that stage right now in America, mm-hmm. and uh, by an immutable trait, you, you declare them less than human, and then six and a half million die, and you when you go through the children's museum, we see all the shoes. That's the part that gets me. It rips me up every time. I went through it once. I, I can't go through the children's. Museum. It's 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 t- it's tough on me, but yeah, you got to do it once. I did it once. It's hard for me every time, and as kind of the head tour guide, I I struggle every time, but I do yeah. it. They did such a great job on it. Yeah, I mean, as far as just really understanding. Yeah, what how how powerful Hitler was. Yep, but how resilient God's people are. Yep, and then uh, we see the model of Jerusalem, which is fascinating, and a good tour guide, which you've always provided walks us through each of them. And then you get to see where you've been. Yeah, you see all the little places. We were just over there. Yeah, yeah. it's the most, it's incredible model city. Um, Bet Shemesh, Elah Valley, where we get to see where David slew Goliath. Yep, that's we a did, great message spot. Yeah, I got, you I, got the I message? Got one, I got you one. Got, you got a hey, good one for that? Boom, it's a, it's a, yeah, I do. Um, Shepherd's Fields, view of Bethlehem. We don't go into Bethlehem because it's Palestinian controlled. Yep. Your Israeli tour guide has to get off. Your Israeli bus driver has to get off. Some sketchy Palestinian, you know, you don't know what you're dealing with. Right. Some folks love it. Uh, my feeling is I'll show it to you from a distance. There's nothing see to see there but a church. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and a I've Catholic been to the church. church. I've been there. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. You can drive around it and get the whole idea of the and, and you got to have an armed guard. And I just don't, I don't like putting people in that spot. Because when you're in Israel... You, no worries. No worries. They've never lost a, a tourist. It's funny. I'm there and I'm watching CNN and you're like, this isn't, you don't even feel it when you're there. No. Like, oh, there's a few of this. What's happening down there? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I'm having a great time. Yeah. You don't even hear about it. Um, then we go to Mount Zion, Jewish Quarter, Herodian Mansion, Western Wall. You get to pray over the Pool of Bethesda, uh, Bethesda uh, or Bethesda, excuse me, St. Anne's Church, Antonio Fortress, one of my favorites because we'll see the Kings game in the relief. They didn't used to have it outlined and now... And, they got and no it one, online. no one knew where it was. The and now Kings they got, game. Yeah, yeah. That that it's, hits me every time I get chipped up. You know how it's played? Up. Yeah, I we'll don't. Talk about later. Okay, off camera. I, I, well, I, I I share when we're there. Okay. But you have to have different people playing the parts. And so when they were putting the robe on Christ and the crown of thorns, yeah, the Romans were playing the king's game, right. and he was their their the board piece. Okay. Yeah, okay. and it makes total sense. You always learn something from you. Isn't that weird? Even after yeah. all these years. Yeah, I'm a storehouse of worthless knowledge. But the best part, the garden tomb. Yeah. Because you're, you're going to see um, where, what they call the, the, the Holy Sepulchre, uh, that site, when you're in the old city, and it's four different churches argue over this plot of land, Russian Orthodox, Armenian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox and and what's the, the Catholic Catholic yeah and they're all kind of arguing who yeah. has authority over it and they won't even move a ladder that's up on the second floor because they need a committee and they got to have a Muslim guy open the door because they couldn't agree on anyone else yes doing it. <laughs> and you go and it's just filled with incense and you're not even sure this is the location and, yeah and then 
you, you contrast that with Gordon's Calvary, which is a guy who did archaeological discovery and saw Golgotha, the place of the skull, which you see, which is now a bus station. Right. And when you start watching Muslims build a, a mosque with a, a turret, yeah. and they start doing their prayer call, they're calling and claiming that area, and, and they know there's significance to this area. Yeah. And you walk into a place that had to be Joseph of Arimathea's home. I mean, it's, it's a wealthy man's estate. You, you see the, the wine press, you see the cisterns, yep. and you see the tomb. Yep. And we do communion there. It's such a great way to end it. It's, the high, it's a highlight, that's for sure. Yeah. It's something you never forget. Every communion I've taken there, I've, every, everyone's crying. Yeah. I get choked up every time. Yeah. And, and something significant happens with every single person's life. It's a place of renewal and strength. Uh, and then we, we take the plane home. Take the plane home. Easy flight. I mean, that's awesome. It's a great trip. You put together a really good trip. Well, and, 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 and name another trip that you could go on that when you come back, you're significantly touched and profoundly changed for the rest of your life. There isn't. Yeah. So um, I, I think that's a good one to end on. The, I, I'm, I'm good. So it's, it's going to be Saturday, June 4th to Tuesday, June 14th, 2022. Uh, Inspired Travel. We'll have the link. So if you go to godspeak.com, You'll see the link on there. You hit it. It'll put you into Inspired Travel's website for our trip specifically. And you can sign up. And we're, I, I don't like to do more than like two buses. Yeah, just limit it. Yeah, I mean, we already talked about it. I mean, yeah, just limit it at like 90 people. Yeah, yeah. And it, it'll fill up like that. Yeah. So um, we'll put it together a waiting list. Yeah. See yeah. what we want to do with those people. If we do three buses, I got to be at different locations. And I'll it's go just with not you. as personal. Yeah, but yeah. Let's, I get you. But we'll make it personal. Do it. I just like getting to know everybody on the trip. My wife and I, when, and that's the other thing. You're friends for life when you get back you, from a you trip You do like do that this. well. Yeah, I, you, you I, I love being with the folks. A part of the meals, you're part of the, everything. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, We don't go and hide. And, no. Know. So there you have it. Love to have you join us. Uh, limited spots, obviously. Uh, this is the first time anyone's hearing about it. You guys get to hear about it. Sign up. Uh, it's all yours. And uh, when we fill it, we fill it. So that's it. Thank you, Marcus. You're welcome. Thanks yeah. for having me. No, thanks for being had. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. Uh, well, folks, I'm gonna I'm gonna take take us all out with uh, a blessing for all of you out of Numbers. This is our tradition, and um, and so with that, I'm gonna read this to you and bless you. And this is for all of you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make His face to shine upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. And there's nothing like. Uh, the peace you find when you go to Israel. Amen. There's, a, there's another shameless plug. No, seriously, I, I just, I, sleepless nights, you end up in Sea of Galilee. I'm just telling you, I've never had a more restful, restful sleep. I don't know if it's because it's below sea level. As a matter of fact, when you're on the Sea of Galilee and you've got the different levels of the atmosphere, you're out in the desert and you're not getting burned. No. And anyone who has eczema or psoriasis, it's gone. Yeah. The, uh, dead, the dead Sea get, brings is, life. Is, it brings life. <laughs> yeah. Everything's dead there. Yeah, but it's cool. But it kills anything that'll kill you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I uh, hope you can all join us. It'd be fun to get to know all of you, especially if you've enjoyed Vintage McCoy from a distance. And uh, we, we've kind of gotten in, or you've gotten to know me through the camera. Uh, but you want to give me a chance to get to know you and a chance for you to meet my wife, Michelle, and spend time with the folks from Godspeak. You're welcome to be a part of this. We welcome you to join us. And uh, just again, go to Godspeak.com. You'll see the link. Hit it. Takes you inspired travel. Boom. So there you have it, folks. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Good night, everyone. 
Hey guys, thanks for watching. For more information, head over to VintageMcCoy.com or follow us on Instagram at The Vintage McCoy. We'll see you there.